now enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Carry on my way, son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Lupus Bits, episode six. Yeah, we're going to go with six. Uh, seven? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm on. Let's try that again. Apparently, my tongue does not want to work today. Uh, being single, it's a lot of practice, so I don't know. Uh, yes, episode six. So, how y'all doing? Um, I, I, I feel like I should apologize for Misfits because I kind of took it to a place that I don't normally take that particular podcast to. Um, but, you know what? It's me. And... Y'all know you get what you get when it comes to me, which is why I have this podcast, because this is all me, nothing but me, unedited, okay, well, not unedited, because he does take out a lot of the ums and the coughing and the other background crap that might infiltrate my dulcet tones that you hear every week, Um, but it's unedited in the fact that I don't hold anything back. I don't hide anything from you. What I feel is what you get, and that is that. Now, um, on Mythbits, I was touching a bit on some things that had hurt me greatly. Um, And I'm still kind of dealing with that whole situation, um, oh, excuse me, I became very, very good friends with somebody, and we became confidants in a lot of things. He knew a lot of things about me. I knew a lot of things about him. Um, He was kind of helping me sort through some emotions that I was having about somebody and I was helping him sort through emotions that and and problems that he was having with his fiance. And I became very good friends with the fiance as well. And um they had asked for my help. So I was kind of helping him and I spent many weeks um I was at my sister's for a while for five weeks, and in that five weeks, I spent a lot of time, like every night, he and I would spend together talking, because everybody at my sister's house goes, they had a day to clock, so we didn't, so we would spend a lot of time talking, and um, he has anger issues, and he has some past trauma, 
when he was a kid that he has to deal with that he tends to use as an excuse for bad behavior. And whenever he and his fiance would fight, that's what he would bring up. And, you know, well, I'm, this is the way I am. I'm not going to change, blah, 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 blah. And I helped him see that, you know, if you want this relationship to work, if you want to have a life with this woman, you can't expect her to make all the changes. You have to make some changes, too. And then I sent him home. <laughs> and the fiance got a hold of me about a week later after he'd been home. And she's like, oh, my God, I love you. He is great. He's admitted to all of this stuff and he's willing to work on it, yada, yada, yada. Unfortunately, it didn't last. And we were back at my sister's, and he was on the verge of walking out, and she was on the verge of walking out, and we ended up at Tim Hortons at 11 o'clock at night in the parking lot discussing the issues. And I was only there as a mediator. I was there to kind of, you know, calm her down when she started getting spastic. And, okay, you know, talk like a rational adult. Don't bawl and cry and scream. And when he would get what we began to, okay, women have resting bitch face, okay? And we have discovered that um, men have something similar, but it's not... And I've actually, since we've coined this phrase, I have been paying attention and have noticed it in other men. It's resting dictone, where no matter what comes out of their mouth, they're going to sound like a jerk. They could say, I love you. And it's going to sound like a jerk. Resting dictone. So... I was there to kind of, when he would have that tone, and she would start getting emotional and upset, now hold on, calm down, wait a minute, that's his tone, listen to the words, not the tone. So anyway, I spent like three hours in this parking lot with these two, and experienced two rather interesting um, health episodes, but that's besides the point. Anyway. When she finally went home and we went back to my sister's, things were not on an even keel. It didn't look like it was going to work because he wasn't going to change. He didn't want to change. Um, she wasn't getting it. She was pushing him into something he didn't want to do. And he was done and she was done. Okay, fine. You're done. Whatever. So, I mean, he came to me, he came to my mom, he went to my sister, he went to my brother, who I'm not even going to go there, because that's just going to make me angry. And I drove him home um, on the Friday, and we talked all the way home, although, you know, it was like a two-hour drive, two-and-a-half-hour drive. And he was set in his mind what he was going to do, and I'm like, okay, you know what? We all support you. We've got your back. If you need to leave, doesn't matter what time, call mom, call me, whatever. One of us will come and get you and we'll take you to 
either the place you're working or we'll take you back to your brothers, whatever. We got you. You know, we're family. We got you. And he was supposed to call me the next day and let me know what had happened. And I heard nothing. And then I started seeing posts on Facebook about how wonderful things were. How fantastic things. Now she had ended up in the hospital um, for anxiety. So I'm going, okay, what happened? From the point in time I dropped you off to the next afternoon, what changed? And um, she wasn't answering me. He wasn't answering me. I was basically ghosted, cut out completely. All that time and energy that I had invested in helping the two of them And, I mean, yeah, I get it. It's not my relationship. And, you know, they were focused on them and their trauma. And and they owed nothing to me. But they did owe me something. They at least owed me an explanation. You dragged me out in the middle of the night. You dragged me into your drama. You make me part of it. You tell me things that I really didn't need to know about the relationship. Ask me for help. Ask me for advice. I give it to you. And then you just ignore me. You just shove me aside like I'm nothing. Like I haven't spent all this time formulating this friendship and this bond and helping you to try and make the best life for your kids. Because they have two small kids to consider in this. And, yeah, so I was very, very hurt, very angry. Now, I've heard from both of them since then. Um, And neither one of them can tell me the same story. But I'm more inclined to believe what she is saying because he has no backbone. He has no backbone at all. And he will go with whatever he is being told to do at the time. And I have figured that out. So he is in a house where the fiancé and the fiancé's parents and the fiancé's sister are all telling him, this is where you belong. This is where you need to be. Blah, blah, blah. Think of your children. You need to be, they need to be in a family with their mom and their dad, which, okay, yes, granted, that is the ideal situation. But if the mom and dad are at each other's throats constantly, and they are constantly bickering and fighting, and they can't get along, and one of them doesn't want to be there, and one of them is miserable, then no, that is not the best situation for those kids to be in. But I'm not going to get into that. Anyway. um, I'm still invited to the wedding in October. So that tells you how much of my advice they took. She is getting help, which I did tell her she needed to do. I told him the same thing. He's thinking about it. She has a lot of issues, yes. 
um, he is most of the problem. Just my opinion. And I know neither one of them actually listened to my podcast. And if they did, I've already told them this. They are toxic together. And I don't see it lasting a year if they don't get help. Now, she is doing the work. I will give her credit for that. I told her today how proud of her I was. She is seeing a psychiatrist. She is getting help for her issues. She is on medication. She has some serious issues. She's on medication. And um, a lot of people in this situation would immediately jump into the couple's counseling and want to fix the relationship. She wants to fix herself first and then go to couples counseling and work on their issues. Which apparently he has agreed to down the road. Which I have learned with him is a stalling tactic. Yeah, 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 we'll do that later. Yeah, 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 down the road. Yeah, 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 we'll see. He does that when he doesn't want to do something and he doesn't have the backbone to say, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. So, I am a little better. Um, since the last time I talked about this, I'm not as emotional, not as weepy. <laughs> and I was having a really rough time. Um, oh, good God. <laughs> okay, so I lied. I'm a little weepy, but not because of that. Um Anyway, so that was that situation. That's what was really eating at me because I don't get involved anymore. I haven't gotten involved in a very, very long time with other people's drama and relationships because I wasn't in a very good place in my own, which is why I'm not in it anymore. It wasn't a bad relationship. I mean, he didn't beat me. He didn't abuse me in any way, shape, or form. Um, he was good to me. We are still great friends. Um, he actually said to me the other day that, um, you know, he's not going to be a jerk. And he hopes that I'm going to be the same way. I'm not going to be a bitch about things. Because that's not us. He doesn't want... Um, us to end up like 90% of separated couples who end up bitter and hating each other because that's not us. We've never been that way, ever. And we have split up once before, many years ago. Um, I did leave him. It was a very dark time in my life and um, I thought I was leaving him for a better life, better happiness, and I was running to somebody instead of, you know, doing it for myself, and we didn't talk for like six months. <laughs> six months. I was dead to him, which I don't blame him. You know, I would have been the same way, but we remained friends. After that six-month period, I had to be dead for six months first. And then Christmas rolled around, and uh, this is back when the, we had Yahoo Messenger, and you could put, like, little status messages beside your name. 
and I noticed he had popped up on my Yahoo Messenger, and it said, um, Blessed Yule, even to those who are dead. <laughs> and I celebrate Yule, so I knew that was for me. So I changed my status to Merry Christmas from Beyond the Grave. And that's just the kind of relationship that Kim and I have. We joke, we laugh, um, but we're friends. There's not that romantic um, couple kind of love. It's a friendship. And he doesn't want to lose the friendship even though we've lost the marriage. And I can respect that. I don't want to lose the friendship either. We've been friends for 27. We've been together for 27 years. We've been friends for 28 and a half years. Yeah, 28 and a half years. We've been together for 27 years. Married for 20. So we have been friends for a long time. So we don't want to lose that friendship. So I don't know where I was going with this. But I'm kind of glad that we can be mature about this and we can be friendly about this because it's not an easy situation for either one of us. There's a lot of stuff to get used to. A lot of things to get used to. I cook dinner for myself tonight, which I've done before. Um, normally, I would cook for me and for him. I don't cook. I don't like to cook. I'm not very good at it. And I'm living in a camper trailer, so I have a toaster convection oven and a two-burner hot plate. And I cooked dinner for myself tonight. I made too much, but I ate it all. It's really good. Um, and then I sat down at the kitchen table and I ate my dinner alone. Which I've done before, too. You know, when he would be working, I would eat dinner alone. But it's really starting to sink in that I'm going to be doing a lot of things alone. You know, I've slept in my own bed by myself for the last four years. So that's no big deal. But there was always somebody else in the house, usually, unless he was at work. I am completely and utterly alone. I wake up in the morning and I'm the one that's making the coffee. I'm alone. I am alone. I I have friends. I have people who care about me a great deal. I have my family that love me. Most of my kids love me. Okay, all of my kids love me. Most of them like me. Um, my son, my oldest, is not overly pleased with the situation, but um, I think he blames. Well, I know he blames me, but that's okay. I can take that blame. I don't want him mad at his dad. There's no reason to be mad at his dad. I was the one that left. I was the one that. I was the one that said the words. I mean, we both kind of checked out years ago, but I was the one that said the words. 
we hid a lot of stuff from our family and from our kids. We put on a great show when we were at family functions and in front of our kids. The only one that truly saw just how far apart the relationship had gotten was our daughter. Um, because she was there. She saw it. You know, we would, he would be on his computer and I would be on the couch and we would just do our own thing. You know, but things are starting to sink in. Like I need to find a way to make money and support myself. Um, maybe find a place to live. Because Crystal doesn't seem to think I'm going to be able to survive the winter in this trailer. And she's probably right. You know, it, it gets pretty cold here in the winter. And it's it's not a, I mean, it's insulated, but, you know, there's no heat. I would have to use heaters to heat it. Um, yeah. I don't have as much freedom as I thought because I have to learn to be independent. I've never been independent. Well, that's not true. When the boys were very, very small and I was a single mom, I was independent, sort of. I was a mom. I had to look after two small kids. I worked. I had my own apartment. Um... But I'm not used to not being half of something else. Now, I don't believe in, you know, one half of a relationship and another half of a relationship make a whole. I believe that. And I've always believed it. And I think that's part of what the problem was, was that I've always believed that in a functioning relationship, each person is an individual. They're not one half of a whole. They're an individual. They are a whole person unto themselves. And they come together with somebody else by choice. Not out of need or necessity that, you know, I need to be with you. You are my other half. No, no. They're a team. They're partners. But they're each individuals. They have their own likes, their own interests, their own whatever. And then they have shared likes and shared interests and things they do together. You can't be fully dependent on your partner for your entire being. You have to be able to do things on your own. And I think that was part of the problem. Now I'm doing things on my own. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I do have um, a strong affection for somebody. But it's an impossible situation, so um, it's not even, I don't even think it's in the, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> That's 
That seems to be my mantra lately. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing. I don't know what's in store. Um, I know my friend Crystal and her friend Erica are going to um, pimp me out, as they say, for odd jobs here and there. I used to own a cleaning company, so I know there's people that are looking for a single person to come in and like do a deep clean of their bathroom or a deep clean of their kitchen. Um, there's one lady that I'm going to be going and doing a deep, deep clean of, excuse me, their nursery. Um, she's due to have a baby, and they want the nursery cleaned from top to bottom, everything sanitized, sterilized. Baseboards, windowsills, um, door frames, dusted ceilings, light fixtures, everything, top to bottom. And I was trained to do that. I mean, I, and I know you sound, you probably think, oh, it's easy to do. You clean. No, there is a specific way. I was specifically trained on how to do a sanitized deep clean from top to bottom how you you dust and how you um, clean everything and blinds and everything. So I'm going to be doing that. Um, Walking dogs. One of Crystal's businesses is she has um, Pet Paradise and, or Paradise Pets. And because we do live in paradise, this is called paradise. It actually literally is. Um, people call it paradise. It's Willow Beach, but people call it paradise. Anyway, um, she's going to take, she can start taking on extra clients because I can go with her on her insurance. I can walk the dogs. I can go in and do feedings and, you know, let them out for a pee and a poop. And I can scoop poop. Um, So, yeah, they're going to be doing, finding the odd jobs to do to earn money. And, you know, who knows? I may get enough of them, enough regulars, that I'm making enough money I can rent a small apartment or a small little cottage on the water or whatever, have my own place. Um, but I want to still kind of gear my life around writing and being able to write and being able to travel when I want to. If I want to take off and go to Indiana and do a book thing. I want to be able to do that. Um, now, my ex has said that, you know, the money in the account is our money. It's our account. I have access to it. I can use it. So, but I want to be able to support myself as well. I don't want to be dependent on him for the rest of my life. That's not the point of this. So, Life is new <laughs> and scary. And, I mean, I've had friends that have reached out, and, you know, oh, that must be so exciting for you. And, and uh, you know, you must feel so free and liberated and, and all of that. And, no, I'm terrified. I'm absolutely terrified. I want to bury my head in the sand. 
Um, as terrified as I am, I'm not going to... Oh, hello, Willow. The dog you can hear barking in the background is a horse. Um, her name is Willow. <laughs> She's a poodle. She's a big poodle. But, uh, there are, yeah, it's scary. Um, very scary. And there are things that I want to do and things that I want to pursue and things I want to discover, relationships I want to pursue. And I don't know how to do that. I don't. I don't know how to do that. I don't know where to start to do that. Because I don't know who I am. And I'm trying to figure that out. And I feel like I'm changing more and more every day. Um, right now, I'm kind of battling something that is my own fault. Um, let me explain it to you. Okay. I work a lot with energy. Um, I do have the ability to communicate with the dead. Um, I am a, a medium. I'm not a psychic. I can't see the future. I'm a medium. I can talk to the dead. And it doesn't always happen on cue. It doesn't always happen at convenient times. <laughs> I have a really good friend who'll tell you that, you know, it can happen out of the blue. We'll just be driving around in the dark, and there it is. Um, I've had this gift my entire life. Now, I had a lot of issues when I was a child, and my mom knew I had this gift. We have several mediums in my family bloodline, and um, my Aunt Louise, who was the one that I remember, um, told my mom when I was, I think my mom said I was four, and she told my mom she has the gift, and you have to make a choice. You can either nurture it, or you can squash it. And there was some trauma and some things that happened to me in my childhood that my mom decided it was best to just tell me it was my imagination because I had enough to deal with. She didn't want me to have one more thing that I had to deal with, which in hindsight, she said probably wasn't the best way to handle that um, because it kind of created a little more problems than needed because <laughs> there's times when you think you're crazy because you're seeing stuff that's not there and you're hearing stuff that nobody else can hear. So you kind of question your sanity. But um, I'm developing it more now. And it's over the years, it's gotten a lot stronger. And I've always been fascinated with paranormal. So I've been a paranormal investigator for 14 years. Um actively on Facebook and with a group for seven years. And like any paranormal investigator, 
you get cocky sometimes. And it's been a while. In my defense, it's been a while. And the guy that I was talking about earlier that I was helping out, um, he's doing renos on this house. And he was telling me about how he keeps seeing something standing, like an old man standing at the top of the stairs of this house. So when I went down to my sister's the last time, I took my paranormal kit with me and said, okay, well, come on, let's go. Let's go check it out. So we went out there one night and um, sure enough, the minute I walked into the house, I could feel him. It wasn't just him I could feel, though. There was something else in the house. And at first, I couldn't quite pinpoint what it was because it kept moving and it was more in the attic and I didn't go into the attic. Because it just, it didn't feel right to go in that attic. So I didn't go in there. And um, I did, I started the investigation in the basement, which was creepy in and of itself, just by the way it looked. And I was firing off videos to a friend of mine of everything. Because I needed documented proof and all of the batteries in all of, in most of my equipment my Handycam, my Sony Handycam, my infrared camera, my um, digital camera, my spirit box, um, yeah, all of those had brand new batteries in them. And the minute we walked into the house, they were dead, completely dead. Now, I should have, like, clued in then and done what I always do at the beginning of an investigation. I should have done it. See, I'm talking about it now and I'm getting that apprehensive feeling and I'm getting hot and I'm getting cold because I'm giving it power. But I have to, to tell you this story. So, um, normally, On a normal investigation, when I'm with my team, and it usually consists of me, Crystal, and Dana, Liz usually stays in the car and mans the tea because she's a big chicken. She's the one that does all the research. She will look up research and history on the property. She will look up research and history on the family, any deaths that happened, any strange occurrences that have happened, any past residents that have lived there. She will contact them and see if they've had any experiences. Um, she will do a lot of the preliminary interviews with the families or preliminary um, research on, like, talk to employees if we're doing a business. And this was a spur-of-the-moment thing, so I didn't have any of that. But normally when we show up on site, we do what we call um, a protection. We will put up our shields. We will ground connect ourselves with the energies of the earth to protect ourselves and we will shield ourselves only allowing energies in that we acknowledge and we allow into ourselves. And that protects you from bringing anything home with you or having anything attached to you because you're not always dealing with ghosts and spirits. You're dealing with negative energies. Um, you're dealing with 
land spirits, you're dealing with a lot of different things. So you want to protect yourself before you go in. Well, I was just so darn excited that I might actually get to do a paranormal investigation that I haven't done in a long, long time, that I just ran right on into that house head first, didn't even think, no protection, nothing. Not even a little sage oil on my temples and my inside of my wrists. Nothing. Did nothing. Didn't even take a crystal with me. Didn't take a blessed cross. Didn't take one of, I've got, um, St. Andrew's medallions. Nothing. Anyway. Started communicating in the basement. Calling it out. Taking pictures, videos. And we went upstairs and he showed me the spot where he always feels the cold draft. And it was right at the bottom of the stairs. And the second we got to the bottom of the stairs, I looked up and I could see him standing there. And I didn't say anything because I wanted to know if he could see it too. And sure enough, he looks at me and he says, can you see that? Uh-huh. Describe it to me. So he did. I'm like, yeah. He's standing right there at the top of the stairs. Arms crossed, legs bent, legs apart. Wasn't too impressed. So I had to explain to him who I was, why I was there. Um, it was a very old, old spirit has been there long before the house was built. Um, the land that the house sits on was his farm, his farmland. And he's been there since he died on this land. So he is attached to the land, not the house. The house is newer than he is. Um, but he's kind of gotten used to the house because it's been there for quite a while. And so up the stairs, I scurried with all my, you know, I, the only equipment I actually had was my temperature gun, and like my ambient temperature gun and my K2. Because those are the only two things. Oh, and I did have um, EMF static sensory sensors and I put them up there and they just stayed on which again should have been a clue to me so at first I thought I was getting these massive readings like oh my god K2's going off and then it dawned on me oh yeah cell phone dummy your cell phone if it is too close to the K2 when you receive a text message or you're sending a message or a video or you're receiving any kind of signal through a cell tower or anything will set the K2 off because that is electromagnetic frequency, EMF. Um, I also did check all of the old copper wiring in the basement and it was setting off a lot of EMF, which is why there was a creepy feeling in the basement because an overabundance of EMF can cause hallucinations, migraines, that eerie, creepy feeling. It's called a fear cage in that area. And it's not paranormal. It is completely explained by science. It's not paranormal. So that's why the basement felt creepy. There was absolutely nothing in the basement. But that's why the basement felt creepy. Now, as for the man standing at the top of the stairs, all of the old wiring had already been ripped out. There was absolutely no electricity upstairs as of yet it had only been replaced on the main level of the house and only two two lights and it was all new wiring 
So that eliminated that issue. That wasn't why the K2 was going off. Then we realized, wait, cell phones. Okay, put cell phones in the kitchen. Um, or no, I turned the data off on my cell phone and I turned the cell signal off on my cell phone. So it was like, it was in airplane mode, so I wasn't receiving a signal. And how you check that is you put the K2 right up against the phone. And then I had him send me a text message. Didn't get the message. Phone didn't react. K2 didn't react. So that's how we knew. So both of the phones, I was still taking video and put the phone or put the K2. We went upstairs. That's right. We went upstairs first and I walked by the attic door and, uh, it was almost like something like sludge reached out and kind of wrapped around my ankle and I ignored it. I thought it was the old man just, you know, being no, you're not supposed to be up here. So I walked into the front bedroom, which would have been the front of his farmhouse, looking out onto the road. Now, that wasn't his bedroom. His bedroom, um, from what I picked up, um, was at the back of the house because he liked to wake up and look out over his fields. He liked to look at his crops. He liked to look at his cows. He liked to look at his farm. Every morning when he got up, as he got dressed, he would look out over his farm and he would plan his day. I know this is going to sound absolutely bizarre to you guys if you don't believe in this stuff. I totally get it. You can think I'm crazy. That's fine. I'm good with that. I'm very confident in who I am in this respect. So just enjoy the story. Anyway, so I walked into the front bedroom and for some reason, I don't know why, and I still can't figure out why, but something told me, um, like he was all around me. This, this, what I, what we thought at the time was the old man was all around me. And we were documenting and getting major temperature fluctuations. It was like 84, 85 degrees upstairs in the house. And the temperature would drop from 85 to 72 just by moving the gun from one spot to another. And it started to do that around me. And the guy that I was with, was it's, he could feel like a wind kind of around me. So I went into the front bedroom. I gave him the temperature gun. I said, okay, keep it on me. Like, keep it around me and tell me what the temperature is. So I'm standing there, and he's like, okay, it's like 84, 85 right beside you. Okay, aim it right at me. He's like, okay, so it's, I think it was, it went up to like 89 or 90 because it was like aimed at me, so it was picking up my body temperature. Well, then it dropped to 71. And he's like, it just dropped to 71. And like, you have it aimed right at me. And he says, yeah. And we were only um, maybe six feet apart, seven feet apart. He's like, yeah, it's aimed right at you. There's, And he's standing in the doorway and I'm standing in the room. None of the windows are open because there's no screens on them. So none of the windows are open. There's no breeze. There's no air conditioning because there's no electricity upstairs. 
there's no like there's no air conditioning in the entire house and he's like yeah it just dropped to 71 like, okay he's standing in between you and i and something told me to assume a submissive pose so i did i sat down on my knees on my legs I put my hands on the tops of my thighs and I bowed my head. And the readings all around me that he was taking were between 70 and 72. And if he moved the, and it felt like there were two hands on the back of my shoulder, on either shoulder. And um, again, thinking it was the old man. Um, if he moved the temperature gun a foot away from me, it went back up to 85. If he moved it closer to me, it dropped down to 71, 72. So I decided, okay, he's obviously making himself known he wants to talk. So I put the K2 at the top of the stairs. I put the two static sensors on either, in the doorways of either room because you'd be able to see the glow when they lit up. And we backed down the stairs. Took the temperature gun and we backed down the stairs. And I turned my cell phones, we turned the cell phones back on because I wanted to get video of um, the K2 reacting if we got a reaction. So we had to make sure we were standing far enough down the stairs that the cell phones were no longer reacting with the K2. And sure enough, K2 starts going off and I sent, I sent video, I bombarded my poor friend. I, and I really, I didn't even think because I was just so excited. And I'm just like, 20 seconds in, I'm sending another video, I'm sending another video, I'm sending another video. And I'm really, really, really sorry for that. Anyway, um, and then I started sending them to Crystal. <laughs> I stopped sending them to him and started sending them to Crystal. Because I needed the documentation. And I actually took regular video on the camera as well. And we were getting hits. We were getting responses to questions. And um, the guy I was with was having a beer, which the old man, assumed was the old man, really didn't like. Um, and then things started getting really weird. Um, we, up, up until even when we left, we assumed it was the old man. I never once considered it was the entity in the attic. Because he never left the attic. I thought I had sealed him in. Um, but he had already, it had already come out of the attic the minute I came into the house. He wasn't even in there. It, I keep saying he, it wasn't even in there. It came out of the attic the minute I set foot into the house. Because it knew what I was and it saw a way out. Now, did our thing, got some great footage. I, I was so excited, and it's like, okay, well, let's go. So I packed everything up. And again, rookie mistake 101. You always cleanse when you leave a location so that you don't take anything home. Did I do that? No, I did not. So we get in the car, and we're pulling out of the driveway. And he starts coughing and kind of making these weird noises beside me as I'm pulling out of the driveway. And the more, the farther we get down the road, 
the harder she starts coughing. And I'm kind of like the back of my neck. It feels like somebody has a grip on the back. You know how you steer a small child through a crowd? That's what it felt like. And I said to him, I said, it feels like somebody's hanging on to the back of my neck. And he looked at me and he said, it feels like somebody is choking me. Like they had a hold of his throat. Okay, so apparently we're bringing the old man with us. He's not thrilled. Again, still assuming it's the old man. So we decided, let's play. Um, I have this little game that I like to play called Profit Radio. And it's a lot of fun. Um, you ask a question, you hit scan, and whatever song comes up is your answer. So we were playing that all the way back to my sisters. And um, as we're driving, the atmosphere in the car changed. And I knew immediately it was not the old man. And I knew immediately it was not the old man the entire time. He was there at the very beginning when we saw him standing at the top of the stairs with his arms crossed and his legs spread. He was trying to tell us to leave. He was trying to stop us. He was trying to stop us from going upstairs because the minute I went upstairs, I became a backpack, basically. This entity attached itself to me and rode me out of there like a backpack. Um, get back to my sisters and I'm just not right. I'm not right. And I talked to, um, my best friend and he said, your voice doesn't sound right. And he did a little digging around and he picked up the entity immediately, immediately. And, uh, we thought we got it unattached from me. And it went from me to the guy that I was with, that went with me. And uh, it was bad. And he's describing it, and we got it off of him. Um, unfortunately, in the process of removing it from him, it came back to me. Now, it's not in me like a backpack anymore, but it is around me. It is with me. And... Um, we have tried all of the usual things to get rid of him, to send him back. And um, I was supposed to go back to the house and reseal him back. I did mentally go back to the house, and it did temporarily hold him there. Um, but because of the situation that happened with guy and the fiance and the betrayal and the backstabbing and all of that that kind of tore all of that apart and I became weak and vulnerable and it saw its opportunity and came back with a vengeance and I'm not going to lie it has been a nightmare every night there's banging on the doors. There's banging on the windows. Pulls on my feet. He pulls on my blankets. Pulls my hair. Um, 
I'm covered in scratches and bruises. Um, he cannot enter me like he did. But, boy, can he annoy the heck out of me. Uh, so, over the next couple of days, um, Crystal and I are going to be bringing out big guns, as we call them, and doing some heavy-duty cleansing and expelling of this entity. And I, right now, like, I can feel it clawing at me. It's my The whole right side of my head hurts at the moment. Um, and I'm getting hot and cold flashes and I can hear him screaming. I can hear him screaming at me. So, yeah, it's been an interesting week. It has been an interesting week. So, that's what's been going on in my life. Um, I have a new friend. <laughs> yeah, no, not a friend at all. Um, and unfortunately, I think I may have to sacrifice something. Not in the way that you're thinking. Not like, you know, small animal or child or something. No, no. That's just Hollywood baloney you sacrifice a piece of yourself. And that doesn't mean like you cut off the tip of your finger or whatever um, to get rid of them. And again, I said, it's my fault. I was cocky and I didn't take the necessary precautions. And trust me, this is a lesson and I have learned it well. I won't be making that mistake again. So, anyway... If you guys don't believe in this stuff, that's perfectly fine, and I respect that, and I hope you never have to experience any paranormal negativity at all, because it is not fun. It can be very scary if you don't know what's going on. It's even scary when you do know what's going on. <laughs> um, I will say, though, since the whole debacle with um, the couple and me being vulnerable and um, hurting and, you know, the entity finding its way in farther um, has helped me kind of get over the whole debacle because I've been a little preoccupied over here. Loves it when I cry. Loves it when I cry. Try not to. I don't want to give him any more pleasure than he's already getting. Um, yeah, so. Let that be a cautionary tale. If you want to go hunting the paranormal, make sure you go with somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, and that they take the necessary precautions to protect not only you, but themselves. Because I know what I'm doing. I've done this for years, and I knew what I should have done and didn't do it because I got cocky and, ah, you know, whatever. I can handle this. I'm good. I can handle this. I got this. I know what to do. Nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Well, 
All right. So, okay, that's going to be it for this week. Um, I had a bit of a headache. I'm a little tired. And I have been yapping at you for 55 minutes now. So, all right. Enjoy your week. And I will talk to you all next week. Probably from Casa del Wayward Witch, as my friend Crystal called it. My little trailer in paradise. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Carry on our way, well, son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry.